Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast. I'm Conrad Olson, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind. This podcast is a bi-weekly show about the intersection of lifestyle and technology. Every Wednesday, we publish an in-depth interview with an innovator from the worlds of design, fashion, beauty, mobility, or tech. And every Friday, we publish a panel talk or other behind-the-scenes content from the worlds of Scandinavian Mind. Today we are talking about NFTs. A little over a week ago, a compilation of 5,000 JPEG images by digital artist Beeple was sold for $69 million in a Christie's auction. We've seen everything from sneakers to furniture to Jack Dorsey's first tweet sell as NFTs. So what is an NFT? What are the challenges and opportunities? And what will it mean for fashion and design? These are questions I asked Emma Raventos, head of design at Warpin Media, and Roland Philipp Kretschmar, our editor-at-large for future and digitization. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to stay updated on the latest news and learn about upcoming talks and clubhouse sessions. Visit scandinavianmind.com newsletter. Here now, my roundtable episode with Emma Raventos and Roland Philipp Kretschmar. Enjoy. All right, so I'm here with Emma Raventos, head of design at Warpin Media, and Roland Philip Ketchmar, our editor at large for future and digitization. How are you guys? Yeah, doing well. Looking forward to the chat. Very well, thanks. Um, so we're here to talk about uh, NFTs, and uh, you know we we uh, follow a lot of media in Scandinavian mind. I follow a lot of newsletters, and sort of this concept came up in my inbox uh, almost like an avalanche the last couple of weeks, and it feels like everyone's talking about it in the worlds of design, tech, fashion, art. Uh, it feels like a, like a pivotal moment right now with this concept. So I thought it would be interesting to bring in a couple of thoughtful guys to uh, sort this out for our listeners. Um, obviously, uh, I think it's uh, pretty much like a week ago now, the, uh, the uh, artwork by the artist Beeple was sold on a Christie's auction for uh, almost $70 million uh, in, in, in an, sort of an, an, an NFT. So uh, maybe Roland, maybe you want to start. How do you explain an NFT to someone who doesn't know uh, what it is? <laughs> but, yeah, thanks for asking me this question. I'm by no means an expert, but let's, let's uh, keep it simple. So an NFT, that stands for non-fungible token, right? So in, in, in economics, uh, a fungible asset is something with units that then can be readily interchanged, like money, for example. So, for example, with money, you can have a 10 euro note and you can swap it for two five euro notes, as an example, and it, ha- it will have the same value, right? Um, but if something is non-fungible, this is impossible. This means then that it has unique properties, so it cannot be interchanged with something else. You know, like a house, like a painting, like any other physical object, for example, that, that has uh, intrinsic value. So this is basically the whole concept of NFTs, that it brings the one-of-a-kind a one asset to the digital world. Mm. 
Emma, do you want to do you agree with that, or is that is that your your uh, picture of this as well? Yeah, I think that's a good sort of idea around it. I I see it as a way of um, ascribing some sort of common value to digital assets. And I think it's interesting because it's um, sort of on a decentralized network and it's sort of agreed upon in this network, which is not the case for all the digital assets that are currently being sold in game in the gaming world. So usually I think there's only there's one game Decentraland that is on the um, blockchain network, but I think and a couple of others are coming up as well. But I'd say now we're spending billions and billions of dollars on digital assets already like skins and stickers on guns and I think it's exciting that maybe, I mean, we're not there yet in any shape or form, but it could be nice if we could find a common ground for all this money that we're spending there and time. Right, so it's, so let me try to unpack that from, from my you know, layman's perspective. So when my daughter buys something on Roblox, a skin or, or, or some kind of asset, that asset is still, it's, it only sits within Roblox. It sits in the platform. It's not something that exists outside of, of Roblox, but uh, an NFT is some kind of currency or a layer on top of it that, that ascribes this value to you individually, right? Uh, correct. And also you don't actually own the asset in Roblox. So if Roblox decides to shut down mm. or disappear, uh, you've lost any money that you sort of put into that or mm. any, any of those assets. Isn't it the same? Sorry, Conrad. For no. but isn't it the same with owning or let's say renting or buying uh, films on, on, on Apple Store or, you know, isn't it the same thing? Yeah, I think that could be a similar way. I mean, films are so popular that they exist on in different ecosystems. So you hope that you'll be able to find it somewhere else. But essentially, yes, if Apple's not going to shut down anytime soon, but if <laughs> Apple decides to take it off, then yes, you wouldn't have it anymore. I will lose 200 films that I bought for my family. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think that's interesting. I think, and I, um, I uh, wrote a column about this uh, uh, the other day for, for our online uh, magazine. And I think to me, it, what we are seeing, or, or I think we're going to see here, is this is sort of a, a shift in how we view ownership online. So we have had sort of this decade behind us where we've gotten used to buying, as, as we talked about, films online. Uh, we've gotten used to con consuming um, content in a sort of subscription manner. We, we watch our our films on Netflix or TV shows on Netflix. We, we listen to our music on Spotify, but we don't actually own the thing. So that was sort of a uh, going from owning the CDs to streaming it. We, we went from actually owning nothing, having nothing personally to so just consuming it. And I feel like what, what uh, the NFTs are doing are, are bringing back that sense of ownership. Uh, but but what, what I'm sort of, struggle to wrap my head around in the beginning i think i'm, I'm getting there and, and i think what most people have have a problem understanding or or is that this is in many cases it's not actually um owning the thing we have for example so jack dorsey sold his first tweet uh on twitter as an nft and you know obviously that tweet can be consumed by anyone at any given moment you can go in you can look at it uh, would you like to maybe Emma and, and then Roland, would you like to understand, uh, explain how, what does an NFT do in that occasion? Obviously the, the, the tweets out there, uh, it's the same with the sort of uh, the Christie's uh, auction there, the, the photo or the, the image is, is viewable by anyone, but someone owns the, the kind of rights to it. 
Yeah, and I think that's very similar to art currently. Like the Mona Lisa can be viewed by anyone, right? We can go into, we can buy a museum ticket and go and see it. And there's art on the streets, but it is essentially owned by someone, maybe a government, or let's put it there. Or so I think it's it's not an alien concept. I think because it's in the digital world, we feel like, you know, this is different. This is not as tangible, but actually artworks work in a similar way. And I can take a picture of the Mona Lisa and keep it and print it and put it up in my own room. So I think that this concept is just being translated into the digital world. Mm. Yeah, I would agree. It's, it's, it's not that uh, big of a change, to be honest. If I look also at behavior, my kids are also using Roblox and, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, emotions if the account is suspended or if there's a problem <laughs> with the tokens, etc. I mean, they literally, their whole world is falling apart. Uh, so for them, this is real. This is not, I mean, it, it's as real as if I would lose my wardrobe <laughs> or if I would lose my books <laughs> or whatever artwork I have at home, right? So. Uh, I, I think uh, we're getting old, Conrad. Uh, if, if we look at the, a younger generation, there's no difference between ownership online or in, in, in the real, let's say, real world. I think th this is where it gets uh, really interesting. And I think, uh, I think we, you know, as, as, as humans, uh, perhaps above uh, 35 or something, we're sort of biased towards the physical. You know, we, we instinctually feel like the physical is the real thing. Uh, whereas this, this perhaps could be a start for Another way of viewing ownership that that could I'm, I mean I can only sort of imagine the the avalanche of opportunities if this moves into sort of AR and VR worlds and that's where you work Emma so what do you see the future for this where is this going? So I think Warpin uh, we're excited about I think what's exciting about AR is that it gives the opportunity to bridge the gap between the physical and the digital world so it means mm. that. In the future, if we're all wearing some form of AR glasses, that these digital assets can be brought into the real world around us, which I think is sort of will create a bridge, hopefully, between those two. But I, and then I think in terms of um, a fashion, I know there's some companies that are trying to bring because now we're seeing the rise of digital fashion, right? Where you buy sort of a garment and you purely own it digitally, and maybe it's even just like a Photoshop picture of you with the garment. But I think there's companies that are trying to create on the blockchain network some sort of system uh, to which eventually you could bring those NFTs into other environments as 3D objects, which means that potentially I could be in my favorite game environment wearing a Gucci dress or whatever it is that uh, I bought on another market. And I think there's a long, long, long way to go for this because every game ecosystem is different. Um, but uh, I think so you're saying you could you could wear it in Roblox and go into Fortnite and wear the <laughs> yes, same thing there exactly, and, and yes. go in a Zoom meeting and wear the same thing in a Zoom yes, meeting. And bring my bag or whatever it is that I identify. Right. right. Yeah. I, and I think that's pretty interesting if, if we think about, um, I mean, we still have handheld devices like so, so an iPhone or similar, right? So if, if we think that our kids uh, growing up to have everything that they own in an iPhone, uh, and, and wherever they move in the physical world, they will bring all their digital assets. And, and I, I think that's a, that's a really interesting um, you know, concept. I, I think the, the whole idea of ownership is changing. Uh, and I, I draw parallels also to, to the world where I operate. You know, I work in a manufacturing industry and we are <clears throat> doing now digital twins of forests, for example. And I'm, I'm thinking a lot also whether the, the, the NFT concept could be brought into the, 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 this kind of hybrid world of, of digital, 
right? Where you have physical assets and then you do digital twins of those physical assets. And then the NFTs will basically provide transparency throughout the whole supply chain. Mm. And I also have seen examples in, in the clothing industry where uh, you, you, you now, they, they now experiment where embedding uh, the nanotechnology into the fibers. So you can also then, um, and, and it's connected to blockchain and, and then you can, basically track the, 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 the physical object throughout the whole supply chain, throughout the whole value chain, which is good then for sustainability measurements, et cetera. And, and I, I think this, is, this merger between the physical and the digital is, is really, really interesting. So let's, let's try to unpack that because that's, that's one interesting thing that we haven't sort of touched upon yet. Uh, it, it should be no, noticed also that Roland, uh, apart from working with, with us at Scanning in Mind, you, you work uh, at Stura Enso. So that's the, the reference there of your kind of day job. Um, but, you know, so this is based on uh, blockchain technology. And Emma, maybe you can help us uh, try to understand this. So one, one of the things that I, I find fascinating is the... the the concept of this sort of ledger, this sort of history that you can see uh, in the in, in the ownership. So um, you could go, you, you know, whoever buys the um, there were you know sneakers being sold right now. I think LeBron is it LeBron who's doing something with with NFTs and so forth. So whoever is the in the beginning of this, you will be able to go back and track this to see that in you know March 2021, you were one of the first ones to to jump on this thing and, and you own this sort of first piece of of NFT and and that could be become sort of valuable in itself to be you know I think there's a hierarchy in where you are in the sort of blockchain. Um, how do you see, how do you see this, Emma? Yes, I think there's some. I know that there's some interesting things happening as you're saying from the hardware standpoint. I think I've heard outside of fashion tracking um, uh, vaccines and sort of medicine and making sure that it's kept. And I, I really like that appliance. I still think, I think that it's, it's nice. What, what it shows is there's a record of, from the beginning of its existence, uh, right to sort of where it is at this point. And that allows for transparency. It allows us to sort of um, know what's um, sort of where it's been and where it's been going. And I, and I, when you talk about sort of what it, and this is something that we can't do with physical art pieces, but it means that if I am the original sort of creator of a piece, I can decide that every time that this piece is sold on, I can get, I don't know, 8% of that or whatever that sale was. And that is, I think, especially interesting for the music industry where a lot of artists lose rights to their music and sort of are not able to earn money on what's out there anymore. And it will be sort of interesting for other ones as well. And brings more value if I bought the if I'm the one who sold the Mona Lisa I bring that again but I think it would be interesting to be able to track where it's going or if I'm the creator of it be able to continue earning if it grows exponentially the value of that right imagine I sold it for ten dollars and in the future it's worth thousands it would be very interesting if I could still gain some value from it yeah and if that is brought into the physical world the same kind of concept and and, and let's say technological solution think how that will change the second-hand market that's an opportunity for creators, uh, definitely. And I'm sure the, the big ones, I mean, I mean we'll be in a, we're in a situation now where even like the big ones, like Bruce Springsteen or, or, or so forth, they, they still uh, need to go on sort of go on tour and make a, a large part of their, maybe Bruce Springsteen is so big, he doesn't need to go on tour, but, but you, you get the gist of it. You may sort of, even the big artists need to be out there doing other things than selling records for their, for their income, right? 
Um, so maybe this is a way to sort of bring back a way for, for creators to actually earn something on the, act, on the thing uh, that they're creating. But isn't, uh, so, so, <laughs> sorry, Conrad, but I, I think the, the view that a, a, a recording artist is only a, a true artist if he or she records records, I mean, kind of puts, uh, I, that, that is an outdated view on, on, on musical artists, I would say. Sure. A, a, a musical artist today is much more than that. I mean, it, 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 writing songs, uh, composing the music, producing, owning the channels, um, uh, being managers. I mean, the, the, the emerging artists of today have so much more uh, talent than just recording music. So I, I think we also have to review a bit um, the role of the, the musical artist. This kind of musical artist that only sings and is then you know, signing a contract where the music is owned by someone else, where the music is written by someone else. I think that's very much a thing of the past or maybe it belongs to kind of America's Got Talent uh, bubble. But other than that, I think uh, the, the role of the artist is changing. A but side note. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but I think it's interesting. Let's, let's, let's go from there. And because and, I'm curious, will, will NFTs be a way to build uh, communities in the, in the future? So let's say you are an emerging artist. You have, you know, your 1,000 true fans can we get those 1,000 true fans into the, you know, they're, they're the pioneers in the, you know, NFTs of that emerging artist. And that will become, maybe you can get the fans to, to get revenue from, from the artist as well. If they become ambassadors for, for an artist, they get maybe not 8%, but they will get like eight uh, promille or something. Uh, um, am I, is this a, a reasonable scenario? Yeah, definitely. I think my understanding of this sort of chain is limited, I think, from an economical perspective. And I, and I know there's some skepticism around it. So I don't want to say too much that I'm right. misstepping. And I, and I know that NFTs as a concept, I think, yes, and very interesting in how we can follow them. NFTs as they are today on the Ethereum blockchain, I'm not so sure. It's, it doesn't seem sustainable right now, the way it's running. So, um, yeah, so I think it's, I think it will be interesting. I like I like this idea, and and maybe it will form community. But I think right now the community is the blockchain community, mm. and then some particular outsiders that are jumping in as well. But am I actually? It's interesting. Uh, I read an article with Beeple, the, the the named artist that sold his work on Sotheby's for seventy million dollars, and he was asked whether he thought that you know this was a bubble, and he he actually said yes. He he very much believed that this is a bubble, and and uh, it would burst for I mean burst soon. So let's see, right? I mean, maybe what we're talking about now is, is just uh, kind of March 2021 uh, uh, trend, right? But, but then the, you, you actually used another word, uh, sustainable. So I think that is an, another interesting element. So the co energy consumption of all cryptocurrency and, and, and running blockchain, et cetera, is extremely, extremely high. And if we look at it from a corporate or governmental perspective, it's not very sustainable. And I'm wondering whether that's maybe one of the reasons why blockchain has not really kicked off yet as, as a kind of platform concept. Uh, I mean, we've been talking about blockchain for well over five years and it still hasn't uh, become the norm, right? So Emma, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it hasn't become the norm, but we're talking of, I mean, I think it's trillions of dollars that are in the, I mean, in, in the Bitcoin network alone, right? So I think that and actually, even though, so I think it has um, uh, my friend, Mike Talon, who sort of has been in this space for a very long time, 
he told me that he sees these two years fluctuations. So it's like every two years, there's this new interest, everyone's excited about it, but actually it's been steadily going up. So I think it's here to stay. And I think blockchain is here to stay. And what's important about the blockchain network is that yes, the two popular ones are Bitcoin and Ethereum. And Ethereum is the one where lots of these art pieces are circulating or seem to be evaluated on. But actually there's so many other different networks that are actually much more sustainable in the way that don't use sort of machines to solve algorithms um, to sort of create the value. So I think it's called, I think currently uh, blockchain Ethereum a proof of work. And I think um, they're actually trying to move the Ethereum network to make it a bit more sustainable. And I think I think it'll be, so I, I think that we will figure it out. You know, I think there'll be an, um, another currency that comes up that we can sort of um, use e more easily and, and are able to sort of agree that it's okay the way that it generates that value. And I think it's here to stay. I don't know how it's going to stay or which of these networks it's going to stay on, but yeah, I don't think I, it's going anywhere. I agree with you, Emma. It's definitely here to stay. I'm just curious about the, the sustainable sustainability aspect of it because i mean the en energy consumption is huge and that's very little talked about i mean there was a backlash when, when uh, elon musk went out and bought bitcoin for 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 tesla there was a lot of backlash in media and forums online that you know tesla is positioning themselves as this sustainable brand and then they they go and buy something that is definitely not sustainable so could you uh, elaborate a little bit more on the sustainability aspect, Emma? Yeah, I think, I, I don't, I haven't looked in depth at how much, I know that they say, uh, I think one, I think it's the Ethereum, I don't think one of these networks uh, is equivalent to sort of a country's consumption of power, right? Right. They, so to give an, a, a figure, for, an idea for someone. And I, I don't know about sort of the effects of other, but I can imagine there's lots of other industries that in the physical world that are probably a bit more much more terrible than that <laughs> so i think that um yes i think that it i don't think they were built i don't think these networks when they were first created or these sort of tech was created with this scalability in mind i don't think the people thought oh my god this is going to be what it is today um and i think now they're uh, sort of trying to fix that and make sure that they do make it sustainable because they they can't use that power it's not um it's not going to work for them. Is there a simple explanation to why it takes so much power to, to do this? Is it because it, it you know, activates all the time or what, how come it, it takes so much energy? I think it's, so I'm not an expert again. I want to make sure that we know that, but it's, I think it's using, um, so in order to make these transactions, it's happening all on this network and this network needs to be powered by something. So, mm -hmm. and for these um, transactions to happen uh, and to solve all the algorithms needed, to make this happen and to keep it safe as well, um, a lot of power is needed. And, and the mining as well. Yeah, so mining, if you want to generate the currency, which I think is not done so much anymore because it's so expensive. So I think big, big companies do it, but I think as individuals, it, unless you live in a country with very, very cheap. Uh, I, I know that a lot of uh, cryptocurrency miners go to China during the um, rainy season because uh, that's uh, the, uh, it's, uh, they, power they use um oh, i don't know what you call it anyway but they use the water to generate power and and it becomes really cheap and they're able to um to use that but i, I think it's not currently uh, something that people that individuals would go into i think it would take a big investment let's let's go back to uh the world of fashion and we can talk about both this uh, sort of the sustainable sustainability aspects you know i i've been talking for for a few months now about how 
digital assets can be a way forward for sustainability. You know, if we own digital assets instead of, you know, stuff that's made of, of you know, cotton and polyester and, and, you know, plastic buttons and so forth, that could be a way forward. Obviously, with, with this, uh, these issues and what we're learning about, about uh, NFTs and, and their energy consumption, that's an issue that needs to be uh, resolved, right? But what, another aspect of it is our sense of value, if you bring it back to that. So what do we value? And, and I think there's an, a great opportunity. I saw, uh, you know, just the other day, there was an article out that uh, Gucci were selling digital sneakers for, for $12 on, on this. Uh, it, I, I don't think it was a, uh, an NFT, but it was like a digital assets. It was an app. You can go in, you can sort of, you know, film your feet and see how the, 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 these digital sneakers, uh, what they, what they looked like. Um, and I thought when I read it, I was like, why do they price it at $12? It's, it's Gucci, right? Should be, should be $1,200. Uh, but, but just talk, I'm curious about your reflections, because obviously if you buy a bag from Louis Vuitton, there, there's a huge percentage, uh, maybe, maybe definitely the majority, you're not buying the leather and the stitching and the logo, you're, you're buying the sense of ownership, you're buying a sense of being belonging to a crowd that, that can afford and access uh, this brand. So how, wh- how do you see that both of you, how do you see this uh, going forward, uh, our sense of, of, of value? And I, I think we're at the very early stages. Uh, Conrad, you, you're, you're mentioning price points, etc. I, I, I think this is definitely going to change. Um, in, in 10 years' time, uh, having assets for thousands of dollars o- online is not going to be an issue. I, I think it, it also, it, again, it comes back to, you know, what does luxury actually mean? Well, it's, it's a lot about belonging, right? Belonging to a social class or a social group, and it's, you know, you have the confirmation bias and all of these factors that influence or influence you on, on buying a luxury uh, item. And I and obviously now we're in the early stages of 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 you know owning assets online. So obviously the price point it, it looks different. But I I definitely see a future where the luxury industry uh, would be able to transition towards digital assets. However, I think it, it needs to be connected to something more than just the ownership of the product. And I, I, we are already seeing this. If we look at the past 12 months, how the luxury companies have, uh, let's say, tackled Corona and, and not being able to show um, latest collections on runways, etc. I mean, they have created uh, different kind of universes online. I mean, much more content-driven, storytelling-based uh, where, where basically you, you belong and you become part of a Gucci universe or a Louis Vuitton universe. And, and I think this is something that probably needs to be added to the physical ownership, right? So let's say that you would buy um, a, a Louis Vuitton jacket for, I don't know, $4,000 and it's digital asset. It, 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 you, you would need to access different things uh, on top of that. I mean, you would, Maybe it is a um, uh, VIP uh, club, or you 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 have uh, you know backstage access to an online show, or you you can sit down with Virgil Abloh for a twenty minute talk, or I don't know. I'm just making this up, right? But I I think it's 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 really really interesting. And the luxury industry, if they were late twenty years ago, when it, uh, in terms of digitalization, now they are actually the forerunners. That's super interesting. Do you see that? Do you see examples? How, how do you define them as forerunners? What, what, what makes you say that? Uh, well, 
first they have the means <laughs> so you know I, I think in a crisis you see who who are the winners who are the losers and most of the big uh, luxury companies are, are owned by big groups with a lot of assets. Mm. Uh, then they also have um, recruited, uh, you know, a new generation of creators that are not only, you know, fashion designers. I mean, Virgil Abloh, who is, what is he? He's, he's a multi-talented creative person that has, you know, he's doing a lot of different things. And they, they also have a different kind of network. And they, they basically, the foundation of Virgil's network is maybe more in this, uh, pool of creatives that, that as I said before, in the music industry, that you know they, they want to own everything in the value chain and, and they want to control every single creative element. Uh, and, and this is also something that we see in the, in, in the output of what Virgil is doing for Louis Vuitton. So he's very much reflecting this whole new world and as a major luxury company in the world's biggest luxury group, LVMH, uh, I, I think they are forerunners. Uh, and they have the, the power also to influence. Where they maybe have more work to do, let's say, is, is in the area of sustainability. And there I see that there are other companies that are maybe more forerunners. Um, so, yeah. Well, now that's super, super interesting. We're going to wrap up soon. I, I love the, the sort of, uh, you know, uh, ping pong, uh, ping ponging around the subject. And I really wanted to do this sort of really quick and quick and dirty to just spark the conversation. I'm sure we're, we're definitely going to cover this at Scandinavian Mind, and 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 uh, there are there, I'm sure there will pop up uh, various examples, uh, but I just wanna just wanna uh, end with: Are there any uh, good examples that we haven't mentioned? Any fun ones? Any anything that's sort of sparked imagination? And have you seen anything in terms of NFTs that you thought, well, wow, that that was a surprising thing? Yeah, I think um, I know that people is the one that sold, but people is incredible. His work is incredible, so I think mm. it's good to look at the time that he spent doing that. It's not just something that he made yesterday and that's come to this value. I think Crypto Kitties is an, um, a typical one that everyone's been talking about, and you can actually sort of breed your kittens, so the different cards that you buy. The other one that I know has become really popular is NBA Top Shop, and right. that one you're basically buying a digital cube. With an image of a famous, um, yeah, of a famous shot, an NBA shot, and I think those are two. Uh, I think those are the really popular ones right now. And what I am also excited about is that some of these companies are generating their own network, uh, sort of on the blockchain network, which will be more sustainable and be able to facilitate NFT creation. Roland, have you seen anything? And I know you're 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 have you have an eye on the art space. Are there more examples in the art space that you've seen, or or just any other example? Well, I must be a, a bit boring here. I've only kind of looked at the art scene because that's where my main interest lies. Uh, I haven't seen uh, you know good examples in in the same scale, to be honest. So I'm curious to see what happens. Uh, I'm also curious to see whether there will be new networks created that are linked to, for example, auction houses. Mm. So Christie's would have their own blockchain or Sotheby's would have their own blockchain. And, you know, the galleries, I mean, Gagosian could have their own blockchain. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things or even artists could, could create their own networks. Right. So th there's a lot still. And, and also, in addition, uh, you could create uh, blockchain networks that are for uh, blue chip collectors, for example. So uh, you would only have access to those networks if you invest hundred million dollars or more in art every year. And, you know, so th there's a lot yet to be done. But Conrad, if I revert the question back to you, you know, you, you're an editor and publisher, and I'm just curious, uh, what NFT could you apply to Scandinavian Mind? <laughs> that's that's a good thing. Maybe maybe we can uh, 
uh, apply our, 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 our print magazine somehow. I just wanted to sort of revive the print magazine, make it more valuable. So the, the, the print magazine that we do twice a year is still the most scarce thing we do. So it has some kind of exclusivity around it. Uh, you know, most people uh, consume our content via newsletter or social or, or it's like digital. So maybe there's a way we can apply an, uh, like an NFT to our, our uh, you know, physical object. I think that would be uh, super interesting. Definitely. And if you want to do that tomorrow, you can do it on rarible.com. It's very easy to upload and give it value. So um, it's something anyone can do straight away if you want to get into this and create your first NFT. I'm going to do it straight away. Oh, and you need so, a wallet with Ethereum. <laughs> so, uh, Roland and Emma, thank you so much for, for talking NFTs with me today. Uh, we're definitely going to keep the conversation going and, and uh, looking forward to circling back on this. So thank you. Thank you both. You've been listening to the Scandinavian Mind podcast with me, Conrad Olson. This show was edited by Eric Sedin. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your preferred podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. To get the latest news, insights and invites to upcoming events, sign up to our newsletter. Just go to ScandinavianMind.com to become part of our movement. Thank you.